2: Welcome back to the show. Craig and Joe with you on FST here on SportsGrid. Thanks for tuning into our show today. If you want to watch our first show, head on over to YouTube On Demand. You can see the first hour of our program in case you missed it. I know a lot of you are watching on some of the live streams over maybe on Zumo TV or Pluto TV, STIR, or even over on sportsgrid.com. But as soon as our show is over, what we do is, like a lot of the new television providers, we're uploading our show to YouTube. So this way you can watch every show on demand. And if you wouldn't like and you do choose to do that, Please make sure you like and subscribe to the show. And most importantly, set your notifications to the on button, so the little bell. And just like when I get my phone and I know that the show is uploaded, very easy on my phone, I don't have to be by a TV. I could just hit the play button and check it out. That's how a lot of us are watching TV these days. Hopefully you are too. And also you could watch our previous shows where we went through some potential props in win totals uh, and also some basically player props for their total yards in 2020. And uh, look, this is a very difficult proposition to do right now in the month of May, considering we still have months until the NFL season, but at least it gives us an early look as to how we view some of the players in 2020. We continue with the quarterbacks today, Joe, and we're going to talk today about Phillip Rivers, who will be in Canton, Ohio, I would think, the second his career ends, he'll wait his five years and, and should be, if not a first ballot Hall of Famer, a second, I could care less if the guy is... Won a Super Bowl or not, his stats just stack up with all the great quarterbacks really in the history of the NFL. Uh, he's with the Colts this year. It's going to be a different look for him. It will be weird. We've seen Philip Rivers with the Chargers for almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, his total this year is 409 minus 112. So you're risking 112 dollars to win 100 on the over. And the under is is of course the same four zero nine nine. That is a number, and with the 0.5 means that there are no pushes. In, just in case that you're wondering why they threw 0.5 in there, FanDuel doesn't want their pushes. I'll have to ask FanDuel why they don't want pushes. I'm not sure. Nobody likes pushes.
3: Uh, it's like kissing your sister. Just win or lose,
2: no push. Yeah, yeah, but sometimes a push is good. It's not a any anything is better than a loss. So I guess. Anyway, um, <laughs> the uh, the passing yards per year for Rivers is pretty staggering. Yeah. 46-15 last year, 43-08 the year before, 45-15 the year before that. And this guy is thrown for 4,000 passing yards in seven straight seasons and doesn't have a damn thing to show for it. Damn, he, this guy has won nothing with all of these yards. It is amazing to think all the success that he has had and virtually the team has never won. So, like, I, I hate to say it, but when Rivers' career is over, I'm going to think of him in two ways great quarterback who never won. I mean, yeah. that's, well, that's just the fact. It's the same thing you think about in those late nineties NBA. It's like, well, great
3: players, but they never won. Why? Cause the played in the AFC during the Brady Belichick era.
2: The Brady how many Belichick AFC Patriots? championship games did the Chargers go
3: to? Uh, t- at least the one, I remember the one with LT where, you know, that did not end well when they were fighting after the game I mean, and things no, like that. They've the gotten
2: to that point more?
3: Probably. Uh they should have, but they lost in earlier rounds to the Patriots or other teams. Um you know, they they've been to 9 Super Bowls. 50% of the Super Bowls basically in the last 20 years were the patriots. I mean that is that is just something yeah, that's I'm sit but back I'm, and go, I'm, okay, I'm willing well, to that, give him a mulligan right. on
2: that. I'm well, giving I think them, I'm do. giving Rivers a mulligan, but why not get to, why not play in the championship game? Uh because unfortunately some rounds they got ousted early. Look, that, it, it's, What does that mean? The guy has won nothing. The guys won nothing. The the guys ten won ten years.
3: Years. It's sad but true. Uh the one thing I will say though is when you start looking at these historical numbers here, last year 4600 yards, the year before 43, the year never, before that 45. Never, never. Uh, am I crazy or just seeing like a giant gimme? This four thousand 000, zero nine nine. Uh, well, see, pot. see
2: this, this. If you watch yesterday's show, this is a good example of the uh, having opinion versus having the data. The okay. data, the data here is absolutely going to point toward the over. I mean, it, I mean, you'd oh, yeah. have to be crazy to think that it wouldn't. But then again, you can have certainly an opinion that it won't and go against the data, and that is exactly what I would do in this particular situation. Okay,
3: so so what's the narrative am I, I writing here? I is? am
2: just not—I am not a fan of him at this stage of his career, and okay. I think going from the Chargers to the Colts is going to hurt him, um, and I am not confident that he will stay healthy for a whole season, and I saw with my own eyes, despite the numbers, which are impossible to ignore, they are there. <laughs> they are there. I saw a poor quarterback playing last year and I know that you're chalking a lot of this up to the offensive line. Well, it Maybe that it's is the, the worst case. Of the <laughs> Maybe that is the case and and we will look back in January and I will gladly sit here and say, "Hey man, like I had this one completely wrong." If the well, case. you might but be you I, might not I think... be wrong about the age in
3: Phil Rivers and where he's at in his career potentially. You're also looking at a team that's a little different structurally because you have, I mean, they always had Melvin Gordon, who had some very good seasons there. Austin Eckler had a very good season last year with the I've Chargers. They've always
2: had talent there. They've, had
3: ta- they've always had talent there, but I'm looking right now at the talent he's going into. They took Jonathan Taylor. They have Marlon Mack, so they have more than one running back there. Um, they're looking at the wide receiver core, and maybe they're thinking to themselves, I'm trying to write the negative narrative of the under here. Well, you have to play both two sides. Running backs,
2: yeah, you have to do that. Which is, okay,
3: T.Y. Hilton, maybe T.Y.'s done, Maybe. Uh, Maybe Pittman and Paris Campbell aren't ready to take that next step. Maybe those are guys that um, maybe FanDuel doesn't feel like there's enough potential in those guys in this first year. And yes, it is very difficult most of the time for players to go to a new situation and come together. However... Frank Reich is not new to Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers and Frank Reich worked together when he was with the Chargers. So the verbiage is the same. A lot of the play calling, uh, the cadences are the same. A lot of when when you're walking in structurally to a place where you're not learning a whole different verbiage and a whole different kind of playbook, that is a lot easier. And Philip Rivers, I think, is kind of like Tom Brady's ready for a new challenge. But the fact that he's worked with the OC before, he's worked with Frank Reich before – Th- that is a huge difference as opposed to walking into something completely blind, which is basically what Tom Brady is doing with Brazilians. That is a completely new situation and environment for Tom Brady, whereas I look at Philip Rivers and I'm thinking to myself, OK, well, Frank Reich and him know exactly what they're going to do. This is going to be really good. He knows Philip Rivers' strengths. They've worked together in San Diego. So you're picking up Philip Rivers, and man, I find it hard to believe that as long as he's playing 16 games and he doesn't go over this number – And I think the narrative would have to be that he doesn't get enough out of the wide receiving core and they just run the football a ton behind that great offensive line. But you know what? I don't know, man. That same offensive line a couple years ago was in the playoffs with Andrew Luck throwing the ball all over the place. So, man, for me, I think this is an easy over, and I think people might be overthinking this.
2: Yeah. So did I sell you on the other nuggets about Frank Reich and the familiarity? Yeah. yeah, Look, you you watch me. You do the shows with me. You know that if I have an opinion – if I don't have an opinion, I'll tell you that I pass. Well, I think it's and, good when
3: we have opposite opinions, because I don't think and, you are wrong in, have, in your opinion. Well, it's
2: not. Listen, you, you have to have an opinion. My opinion is that Philip Rivers is done. And okay. my opinion is that the wheels are going to fall off, and this is going to be it. And this is going to be, uh, as uh, Brett was discussing with me yesterday, essentially Tony Parker. I'm going to use Brett's words here. Tony, or not his words, but just kind of how. This example. He's, okay. Tony Parker's season in Charlotte, which I was I was not all that aware of. But essentially, uh, this is a guy that I think is finished. And I think that it's going to end very badly there. And I think it was a bad move by the Colts. And I, I just didn't like what I saw last year at all.
3: Fair at all. Well, it's hard when you're – it's hard when uh, you got three guys on top of you as soon as you hike the football. It's hard mentally. It's hard just physically. He's very
2: old at this point. And, and, is, I, and I don't want to be on time. the end of the old guy. No, but
3: but I think when you take the old guy and you put him in front of the best offensive line in football, the the huge swing from thirty second to first, I just think you have to respect that a little bit more. And even if he's quote done, is he done to the extent that he's not getting four thousand yards? I mean, when's the last season he didn't? I don't think so. I don't year.
2: think he's going to play the whole season. The other thing too okay. is that offensive line are are fickle from year to year. And at the end of the season, if we look back and say, oh, but two two guys on the Colts' offensive line got hurt and we're out for the game. Oh, that's look, injuries games. can always kill these things. Right, out, but that's not going to be an excuse for Rivers, for me. I'm going to say, well, you know, I mean, if that's what you were counting on, a great offensive line, for this guy to be successful, then it was a bad bet because I just, I don't think that he can survive either way. I'm just, again, I'm a big fan of his. I just said at the beginning, he's a Hall of Famer for sure. I think it's over. I, I think that this was a poor move. I think that he puts a Flacco year up like Flacco did last year. I think he's out after a few games. I don't think he makes it through the season. But again, the data speaks otherwise because you're right. If he plays sixteen games, he's going over the total. No question. Well, I
3: wanted to see real quick what that number is divided out over sixteen, just curious what that average passing. So somewhere around two fifty-six. That's his average oh, passing.
2: he plays the league. whole season, he's going over for sure. So, so that, that I mean two fifty-six is a good number.
3: I I think that's 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 decent enough. But Phillip Rivers of the past you know, that's usually in the 270 range to hit the 460s and the 430 uh, and the 4,500 numbers that he's hit the last couple of years. Sometimes you got to go with your eyes. And oh, my really? eyes told me right. that
2: he's done. My test is important. I, just, I felt it. I felt All right. It. Who's so, next? Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Sam Darnold, uh, his total with the Jets is 3024, And that's the over-under there. He threw for uh, 30-24 last year in 13 games. He threw for... 2865 the year before that this number is so low I mean, my <laughs> God, this number is just so low that they're telling
3: you something else in this narrative
2: don't you think that he's what gonna get to... hurt that if, he's if he plays get 16 hurt? games he is definitely going over this total but i guess they, uh, i guess you cannot count on him being healthy i mean i
3: guess or, or do they do they count on him sputtering out it's one of those two things sucks? so wow, I, guess, I guess i guess here back. you go you have to make a choice now do you want to bet on Sam Darnold having a good 16 game season, winning seven games or something like that, or do you want to bet on the Jets being terrible? Uh, maybe another injury, maybe some fallout, maybe you know him regression. I want to
2: pass. Whatever. I want to pass on this one, but, but I would
3: pass too. But I mean, over just seems so easy. I mean, three thousand so
2: low. This number this is so, is so low. low. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, uh, two hundred yards a game. <laughs> I- I mean, how does he not do that? And it's not like they're the
3: greatest running team in the world. I mean, Frank Gore, God bless him, and Le'Veon Bell. I mean, I, I mean, Le'Veon Bell did not look sharp running that ball last year. But again, this offensive line is not very good either. And I know was the. Darnold
2: watch- hurt two years ago.
3: Uh, Darnold did. Well, Darnold got hurt and was sat down for a few games after throwing a bunch of picks, and then he came back for the last four games of the season and played much better. Uh, and then last year, obviously, the I mono. Know last
2: year he had the mono. Like, and that, and that's like, that that a I very difficult that. thing.
3: That, no, and that's a very difficult thing to. You know, come back from health. i have,
2: I'd have to lean over, but boy, this number is really telling you that there's no guarantee. I mean, FanDuel is not making numbers to lose. So, they're not.
3: They're, so they're making number numbers. Out uh, of the, the Jets are a disaster, and I'm telling you, it's going to come to fruition. I'm sorry, Jet fans. Like I understand, like you're not happy with me, but you have to look at the up and down this roster. When your number one wide receiver is Jameson Crowder, you have to look at it and go, do we Did really we have a signed, shot?
2: Uh, Perryman, I like Perryman. No, he <laughs> <It> was good. <laughs> but, at-
3: that's where, what, uh, two games <laughs> he was
2: good? He was I okay. thought he was pretty good. He'll probably be a bust, but I thought he was pretty good at the end of the last year. Uh, All right, uh, speaking of the Jets, coming up next, we're going to touch on their uh, running back from last year, Le'Veon Bell. We're going to go through his totals. And also Miles Sanders, really interesting one on Miles Sanders from the Philadelphia Eagles uh, and and kind of what we think of his season. So we'll do that coming up next right here on Fantasy Sports Day on Sports Grid. Also, Matt Sells will join us coming up as we hit on the big NASCAR race coming up this weekend. We'll be right back. Don't go away.
1: DailyRoto.com.
0: Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Welcome
2: back as we dive back into some NFL props here for the 2020 football season. By the way, these are all courtesy of uh, the FanDuel Sportsbook, which you can catch online. Make sure that you catch all of that. And uh, certainly, We'll be previewing the football season if uh, if the baseball season doesn't happen, but we're hopeful in the next couple of weeks that I can stop doing this and start getting back to some <laughs> baseball. But since we <laughs> are on it, uh, let's go back to the Jets here, and today we're going to look at two running backs in the NFL, the first one and his 2020 player prop. Keep in mind, these are all things you can bet. I'm not doing uh, betting that's not actionable on this show and just making up stuff. You can go over <laughs> to the Fansville Sportsbook, <laughs> Go online. I think you're just
3: making things up
2: well, People like to just make like these bets that don't exist. Go to the FanDuel Sportsbook. You can see the odds are there. You may not be able to bet it unless you can bet legally New Jersey, West Virginia, I believe, Illinois. Uh, but wherever the, the FanDuel Sportsbook is legal, you can bet it. And even if you don't want to bet it and you just want to look at the odds, just pop on your phone. Just Google FanDuel Sportsbook. It'll come right up. You can check it out on Bell, wow. Uh, I thought he was a massive disappointment last year, and then I forgot, yeah, he caught a lot of passes and got some receiving yards and scored some touchdowns too, so he graded out well in fantasy. Boy, but you got to be a little bit worried, I think, little. with what could be coming here. Um, <laughs> the over-under for his combined yards is really low, 12.99 and a half and minus 112 to win 100. So for those of you who don't understand betting, we will explain it to you. You're risking $112 to win 100 on this. Uh, the, uh, under is, uh, also 1299 and a half, as you would expect last year, his total yards simply plummeted down to 1250. Again, he missed a little bit of time last year too. If he didn't, he would have went over the total for 2020 for sure. And then, wow, this guy was like a top two, top three fantasy running back in the game two years ago with 1,946 yards with the Pittsburgh Steelers getting the ball out of the backfield. Waiting oh, for the offense. That was of actually 2017,
3: do. by the way. 2018, he sat out the entire season. Oh, 2018, he sat out. I'm sorry. So, just, just for clarity. No, just for just for clarity for the people looking. You're right. It, I forgot about that. <laughs> I think 2017 should be an enormous distant memory for you. Nobody should be taking Pittsburgh. Uh, well, those of us who had him in fantasy did not forget, trust me. So, anyone who had a share of Le'Veon Bell in 2017 remembers
2: now, uh, excuse I, me, now I remember that It's has well a here. Yeah, but, 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 um, it, but in 2017, fairness, the graphic is correct, that. I'm wrong. So, he rushed for uh 1946 two uh three years ago, 2019 last year, it went down to um one two five zero. You know, I, I'm a big fan of Bell, I, I thought that. You know, his season last year in the end looked good, but Joe, what's coming?
3: (laughs) Well, do not think of the Jets offense like you think of the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, first of all. So take take those old 2017 numbers, throw them away. They mean absolutely nothing here. This is not Ben Roethlisberger. This is not the Steelers offense. This is not the Steelers wide receiving core that had Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster, and those were the guys around when Le'Veon Bell was doing what he was doing back in 2017, going for almost 2,000 all-purpose yards. That does not exist anymore. So last year's 1250 altogether is a little bit more, I think, reasonable. Now, you can make the argument had Darnold played more games, this is probably – closer to 13 or maybe 1400 all-purpose yards because Le'Veon Bell's game is catching passes out of the backfield. Le'Veon Bell is an all-purpose running back. My concern is now with Frank Gore there, you know, do they take a little even more mileage off Le'Veon Bell with some of those first down runs or some things like that? And man, it just, it really kind of frustrates me that Frank Gore presence there right now. And you are very astute in saying, you know, look at the shelf life of running backs and if you're looking at his the shelf, his so
2: low, though. My God, his numbers so, so low, low. But his
3: age is up; he's in a way worse scenario offensively. And how many games are the the, the Jets going to have leads in? I don't think a lot. So the rushing yards is what concerns but you me, not the receiving. Caught a lot of
2: passes out of the backfield last year too. The Got a receiving, lot of receiving yards, yards don't concern
3: me; it's the rushing yards to get to this total that do.
2: So how many I, rushing yards would you project him to?
3: Uh, I'm thinking he's somewhere around 800. And probably somewhere around 500 in terms. So I think he's right around the 13. I really do. This is why I would stay away from this number personally, because I think Le'Veon Bell can get 13 and the Jets narrative that I had can still play out quite easily because look, they were terrible last year and he's at 1250. So, really, uh, two more games from Sam Darnold, and it's probably better than what it was. He was playing with third-string quarterbacks for a couple of weeks. I mean, it was just – it was a complete disaster. He
2: had, he had like, a couple of games, like 10 catches, 20 yards, like some crazy it's
3: stuff. Not, again, it's not the receiving that's my concern. It's the rushing yards getting to that, that total all-purpose where – That's my concern, because I think Le'Veon Bell is going to have to eat a ton in the receiving game
2: for them to because they don't
3: have a lot of receivers. I think you're going to see Le'Veon Bell lining up in the slot. I think you're going to see a lot of over
2: or pass for me. I could not I could not go under the I'm going
3: to I'm going to go. I'm going to go pass. I just I just don't want to get involved there with this one because I think it's spot on. And like you always taught me, when you see a number you think is exactly right, then you should just run away from it because there's
2: no money to be made. All right. So let's move on to a very intriguing one for 2020 because some people are going to be really right or really wrong about this guy. Miles Sanders, his total is 1424. That's a very big number for a guy going into his second year. Um, Minus 112 to win 100 again last year, 1327 total yards. But really the key to this were the last three games where he Mm -hmm. started getting the ball a lot more, and that number ended up being 313. Which, if you prorate that, and you can't, but do three times five, you can see that he would have basically led the entire NFL at all-purpose yards had he done that. On the flip side, the Eagles don't ever have good running backs. Like I, I couldn't believe when I went back to look that DeMarco Murray was the only one to even eclipse a thousand all-purpose yeah. yards. It's been bad and he since wasn't
3: very McCoy. good McCoy. LeSean McCoy was the last one to be good. With the Eagles, That's- and we're going before seven years
2: ago. You're going really far back in Westbrook before that. So, mm-hmm. so here is here is my thing. I could only, I could only go under here. I I could not bet on Miles Sanders being the best running back in the NFL because if he goes above it, he may be, and I'm not sure that he is. I'm not sure that Philadelphia is ready to just hand this over to him. Last year, I got bit in the preseason reading the reports oh, he's the best running back on the field. It didn't matter. I mean, it mattered literally... in the second half, it did. It mattered in the second half when he got the opportunity. And not enough Not enough listen, for me. I, I don't believe it. I don't think Philadelphia is ever, I don't think that coaching staff is ever going to commit to one guy. I'll tell well, you look, what. look,
3: Boston Scott's still there, it's not like he's, he's by himself there. Boston Scott had some, some moments last year. I was where you were last year, never wanting to buy into Doug Peterson, sticking with a running back. Because the track record tells you that's not what he does. So I was right there with you. And then I saw a game in the middle of the season uh, before the trade deadline in fantasy. And I this is a true story. I acquired Miles Sanders and Devin Singletary in three separate leagues. And in all of the leagues that I acquired them, all, all the three of those teams made the playoffs. And one of them was a championship. And part of it was the success down the stretch of Miles Sanders and Singletary. But really, Miles Sanders in the last... I want to say he was like RB5, but then what happened was everybody got frustrated with him, all those people that you said, oh, this guy's so good, he's the best guy, and they all got frustrated because the usage wasn't there, so it was an opportunity to buy a low, and I'm using this as a cautionary tale for everybody this year with DeAndre Swift, with Jonathan Taylor, with Cam Akers. If these guys don't hit right away or you don't draft them because of how high they're going – By week six, you should be making offers for them if they're not doing well, because there's a very good chance the second half of the year will be better for these guys than the first half. So instead of wasting the draft capital or even worse, overpaying for them, wait on them, draft them later, and I think you're in a much better situation. That all aside, 1425 is, again, it's another number where I think it's spot on. I think it's right there. I would stay away, but if I had to pick one, if you say, no, you got to pick one, be a man, I would man up and actually pick the over because I do think Miles Sanders did enough for this offense last year that Doug Peterson has no choice but to basically hand the reins. And I think the fact they didn't bring in a Carlos Hyde this offseason, that they didn't bring in somebody else like that or Devontae. Not friend, yet. They haven't <laughs> yet. But until Not they yet. do, I'm going to say over on this number, which is why you also, as Stutely said yesterday, what? Don't bet this now.
2: There's, no reason. there's, no, no, there's
3: reason no reason to. There's no reason to. But right now, and my if, gut and if
2: they successful. did get Leonard Fournette, mm-hmm. then you'd be miserable betting the over. You'd go, oh, this was a terrible bet. Right. So why? Absolutely. I, look, I, I think the other the other thing with Sanders that concerns me as well, and and this could not be, the biggest I, guy. <laughs> and I could be completely wrong on this one too. By the way, is that I'm very hesitant on a guy that a lot of his yardage was picked up on several catches or several carries. Like, he had an 80-yard touchdown run, a 60-yard touchdown reception, a he 75-yard touchdown player. run.
3: That's just his— And, but and look, he— And he that may be State, who he is. Right? He
2: may be Kareem Hunt. He may but be. That,
3: but that's who he was at Penn State. And I, I think that's the thing. Like, you have to understand, if you are a Miles Sanders owner, that some— if the games that he doesn't have that one explosive one, it might be underwhelming. He's going to make up for it another weeks when he has those explosive runs or those explosive catches, and he is that kind of a player, and that's what makes him, I think, scary to some fantasy owners, but very intriguing to
2: others. I'm more intrigued. I, I by think him. he's a, he's going to win a championship for people because he'll have those huge weeks, and that's what you want. Fair. I just told you uh, that story. But, but <laughs> you've got into playoffs, one playoff. I, I would lean under. I would. I would. I would. I, I don't know. Just I, I, the, the the data. My is- eyes tell me he's a good player. The data tells me. Well, Doug Peterson's track record
3: is, is very spotty with this. But at a certain point, it's we have to. It's it's kind of like this. This is the, almost the same conversation that we having with people last year. It was like, well, Derrick Henry only had two games where he really had huge things. I'm gonna stay away from Derrick Henry because he all of the stuff came in two games. He had some really big runs, some big moments. But I think at a certain point, an organization looks at it and they say, okay, you know what. Are we winning games when Miles Sanders touches the football? Are we winning games when Derrick Henry touches the football? And when the answer inevitably becomes yes, then you have no choice but to basically surrender to that notion. And it is very difficult, and I agree with you. Doug Peterson does not make me feel warm and fuzzy. It's why I drafted zero shares of Miles Sanders last year, because I did not trust miles sanders and doug peterson together and i said this is going to be a disaster for six weeks i'm not going to deal with this maybe he'll be better but this is the whole point the whole point is going into this year i think this year is the realization there that he is the guy he is the best guy yeah boston scott's gonna have some moments and that's fine it's gonna be frustrating some weeks you take the explosiveness you take what you saw in the second half of last year because eagles were a playoff team and they are a relevant team and if they're gonna compete miles sanders has to touch the football he is their best offensive weapon period it's Carson Wentz, and it's Miles Sanders. It is not Alshon Jeffrey. It is not Deshaun Jackson. It's not the other host of wide receivers we talked about yesterday. That well, it may be. To...
2: I think it will end up being Rieger. So uh,
3: it, I hope so,
2: I but I don't so.
3: think you can count on that, and that's my that's my one He'll be
2: a, I'll be a big fan of his going into the season, but uh, when we get there, when we get to the draft season well, in a couple of months. Don't worry. All I, right,
3: I, uh, I will send you a black book before July 4th, I promise.
2: All right. I look forward to that. Uh, I'm looking forward to PitchCon coming up this weekend. You can catch me and a lot of other people talking some fantasy baseball, hopefully with some resolution on the season. Nick Pollock is going to join us from PitcherList coming up next. And then we'll check in with Matt Sells from Fantasy Alarm. Big NASCAR circuit coming up this weekend on Sunday. He's been rock solid with uh, his discussions on who may win these races. Those of you who want a better over at FanDuel, you may want to stay tuned until join us as well. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today in just 2 minutes. Don't go.
1: DailyRoto.com
2: sports today as we get potentially ready for the 2020 fantasy baseball season we're joined by nick pollock and nick of course has a big event coming up this weekend pitcher list of course is how you can follow them on twitter they do a great job breaking down pitchers breaking down fantasy and it'll be a lot of fun to have this discussion about the event and also the upcoming season as we get closer i believe to it nick thanks for coming on fantasy sports today what's going
4: on what is happening thanks so much for having me here today
2: all right, uh, Nick, so before we get to uh, PitchCon coming up this weekend, I know I'll be participating in that. I know it's uh, it's certainly going to get a lot of great minds in the fantasy baseball industry together. But before we get everyone together, we got to take a little bit of a look back here. The last mm-hmm. few months for you, what has it been like not having fantasy, not having baseball? Has it been easy? Has it been difficult? What have you been doing with all of this time?
4: Yeah, this is this is really weird. <laughs> um, I mean, we, we've been doing a lot of things in the back end of Pitcherless. Like we have a lot of things that we wanted to do for our next iteration next season that we've done, done a lot of focus on. But uh, I mean, I've watched some KBO. I've been playing MLB The Show a bit. Uh, I've been trying to, well, I've been making a dent into like my dream article, which is like a 30,000 word article talking about everything I look at when I study a pitcher on the hill. Uh, But, I mean, it's been weird. It's been so weird, Craig. When will it stop? I mean, hopefully soon. I mean,
2: I'm hopeful that this week that we have some sort of resolution and and we have something. But I I think the interesting part for me, Nick, is just asking different people who play fantasy and who follow the game how they're going to be approaching potentially this half season. I know that you and I chatted briefly about some of the topics to discuss, but inevitably I think that a lot potentially – Will end up changing uh, how we view things, how we view pitchers. With the what looks like is the designated hitter for the entire league. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's so much to really unpack. Has it changed your view? Has it made pitchers better, worse?
4: Yeah, as, definitely. As it's it's obviously not a catch-all here. There are certain guys that get elevated, some that might get pushed down a little bit. I mean, I will say this: there's a lot more affecting pitchers here than I think hitters. Hitters, for the most part, unless we're really changing the fields a ton. It's kind of, all right, take what we had for 162 games and have it. Um, I understand maybe there are some slight elements when it comes to injuries there, but for the most part, we can kind of do that. Uh, With pitchers, though, you have guys with innings limits, for example. So you have like Luke Weaver, who we didn't really expect to go maybe a full 8, 180 or 200. Now he becomes really interesting in his shortened season. Same, of course, with Julio Urias and Jesus Luzardo. And you can make a case also Brandon Woodruff being in there after pitching under 130 innings last season. So there are a lot of these pitchers that all of a sudden say, wait, I thought there were going to be massive headaches for me. I used to call them hipsters. That is headache-inducing pitchers that stifled the entire roster just because you didn't know when you'd get those effective innings from them. And now, well, 81 games or so, half a season, maybe then we actually get them for essentially a full season then, and they can be really productive for your squads. There's another pitcher there that's Shohei Otani that we were really expecting a ton of innings from this year. Now, I mean, I, I think a lot of people forget, like he was a top 25 starter, 30% strikeout rate, yeah. fantastic ERA and whip. And I'm so excited to watch Shohei Otani just be there through the full year with other pitchers as well. So he certainly gets a much bigger push, even if he's a, a two way player or one way, doesn't matter, or two different players, I should say. Uh, he's still going to benefit your team, I think, more so than we were planning back in March. Um, but there's so many other things, too. There's veteran pitchers that actually uh, we maybe put a, um, a price on them, a heavy weight, because they had a ton of innings and we're going to get that volume. Well, now they're not necessarily going to get that volume, but there's certain ones, I'd say like Zach Granke, that you might want to push down. But maybe not because he actually is a high IPS guy that is innings for start. So instead of going five and change, he could easily go seven in a given night and still be on the Astros, which are going to be a winning ball club, much to the chagrin of most of the major league fans. Uh, So there's some discussion to be had there. Um, And obviously with injuries, I don't actually know where I side yet on this. Like you could make two arguments. One, that those that are injury prone, well, there's less time for them to get injured. So we should be in on them then. Or there's the other argument that if they do get injured, they're missing a more significant chunk of the season. And maybe you don't want to risk any sort of problem there. I mean, James Paxson is likely still going to miss games, even though he has a healthy back now, half of a season, he's probably going to get hurt at some time. Well, Charlie Morin, well, his injuries were at the end of the season normally. And I still think that he can go a full season of three months and actually stay healthy. So there are a lot of moving parts here, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's just really fun to talk about pitching again and, I pray that we, like, in a week, just in a week, that sounds so good that we can actually have right. something down where we can say, cool, this is what it is. This is likely what it means. That would be so great. Yeah, it it would, and
2: hopefully that's the case. But I, I think the question becomes, Nick, is that um, you and Alex and everyone have been involved in a lot of fantasy drafts to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that they hold true? Do you think that you should be holding your fantasy teams? Do you think that commissioners should step in? And and basically redo all of our drafts. Where are you at on that?
4: That's a great question. Uh, I would say it has to be a league vote. I mean, I personally would redraft all of these because it's just not the same game. We drafted with so much uncertainty, without knowing, you know, what was going to happen. And I feel that we would all want a new season. We understand now the terms of the agreement, and so re- I would say do a redraft personally. I understand those. That really think like no, we put in our time and effort on this, and this is how it goes. And things change, and you don't, uh, you don't get the opportunity to change it based on things we didn't know about. So that's fair. I would say, Commissioner, make a league vote and see how your league feels. Yeah, I, and for me, I think that that's crucial
2: because Nick, you know, so many things are just completely irrelevant uh, from what happened early on in the season, and and injuries are always going to happen. And like Syndergaard is not a good example of that because right. you know clearly that's going to happen over the course of a season. But just all of the players that were hurt that are now healthy and the fact that there's a DH involved, I think that there are so many yeah. things to unpack. I, I hope that uh, there's a possibility that most commissioners will look at it and think it is a good idea to redraft because I certainly am an advocate of that. I don't, I don't think that anybody should have to hang on to a team they drafted in February or March when essentially a season doesn't start until June. Um, So let's talk about PitchCon coming up this weekend. A lot of people are probably learning about this for the first time, watching this right now. How did you come up with the idea? How did you guys put this all together? I know I'll be participating in a conference this weekend, but let's talk about how it happened and the genesis of it. First of all, I can't wait for your presentation. That's
4: such a fantastic. I hope uh, perspective I, I hope I have a good it. presentation. Oh, <laughs> no! The second that you suggested it to me, um, giving that perspective of saying, "Hey, I'm a you know MLB insider, but I also talk about fantasy," in that translation, I think that's yeah, I'm the so only fascinating. One
2: that does that, so.
4: right? So I, I was so excited to hear that. A, you want to be a part of it, and then B, we're going to give that kind of presentation. Um, but yeah, so PitchCon, I essentially, I mean, we're all at home, and I knew so many people in the industry that were just kind of. They were starving to do something, but didn't know how to do it because you can't really just write another basic article about something. Right. And I, uh, I'm, I'm certainly someone that loves the tech world. I was a computer science minor and stuff. I'm very hyper aware of Twitch and just uh, how live streaming is very much the direction we're going. And why not? Why not just gather everybody? We would want to be at a conference anyway we all wanted to do Tat wars and I think that was the correct decision not to hold Tat wars of course it was I mean in New York City the epicenter of this going on yes, um, past decision uh, yeah right past uh, uh, March 11th and all and uh, so we were we're all kind of dying for us all to hang out you know to have this kind of event and nothing was there and it just I was originally actually thinking I was going to do like a 24 hour like telethon. I thought that would be really fun. And then I realized, oh, wait, let's just make it a four-day conference. And so eventually it turned into this um, 40 hours uh, from Thursday, May 28th to May 31st, Thursday through Sunday. It's 10 hours a day from 10, 12 in the afternoon to 10 at night uh, Eastern time. Um, it's going to be available on Twitch at twitch.tv slash picture list. You can follow me on Twitter at picture list, and we'll be hosting it via Periscope there as well. Uh, and then I uh, – so it's going to be one-hour one hour presentations each um, – I'm so excited about this. It's completely free to watch, uh, and it, it, you can, We'll be doing. Um, sorry, we'll also be fundraising for Feeding America. Fifty percent of everything that we raise will go to that. And of course, there are prizes too. Um, there are a lot of people that were super generous inside the industry. Uh, we have a list, I think, of about forty prizes that we're giving away. And it's not tied to contributing. If you want, if you want to contribute, that's awesome. It's fantastic. Um, but if you just want to be there to watch a free conference and get some prizes, hopefully, that's great, too. So we have a whole list of those. Um, they range from PL merch to uh, subscriptions at uh, Baseball HQ and Rotowire and Rasball and all these fantastic places. People draft teams with you. It's a really, really fun event. So many smart people. Um, we have Pitching Ninja and Enosaurus and I doing a presentation, which I feel really guilty. But I'm like, you know what? I'm running the presentation. I'm going to be on that panel. Uh, we have John Boy Media coming. We have Jason Benetti of the Chicago White Sox. Uh, I'm going to sit down with him and talk, like, talk about uh, what it's like being inside the booth and his whole story, which is incredible. Uh, it's just so many smart people in the industry. It it blows my mind um, that we're doing this thing. So we're really excited about it. It's Thursday, May 28th at noon Eastern Time is when it starts, and I just, I really can't wait for this weekend.
2: Yeah, I, and I and I think that the timing may actually be perfect. Because if we, I I think, honestly, one way or the other, the timing is going to be perfect. On the positive side, if by Thursday or Friday we get some sort of resolution as to what is going to happen, it does open up a very big door for us to run through and start what I think is a brand new conversation about the 2020 fantasy baseball season. Uh, Conversely, if the season is over, (laughs) it gives us that opportunity, I think, to vent. For mm-hmm. a few days. And I, I do feel, Nick, that there will be a season. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to play the negative side of this, but we do have to at least explore that possibility that these sides cannot get this thing worked out from either a medical perspective or a money perspective. That does exist. That possibility right, does definitely. exist. So um, hopefully that ends up happening. Um, all right. So real quick before you go, uh, Nick, tell people um, about pitcher list real quick. Uh, we got about two minutes to go and how people can follow you on social media and get a little bit of a leg up as far as fantasy pitchers in 2020.
4: Sure. So PitcherList List uh, is a site with everything you'd want. Baseball, a pitcher gift database. so You can actually see every single pitcher. We have a whole podcast network. We've been doing a thing uh, interviewing pitchers recently uh, with Dan Straley, Luke Weaver, Caleb Smith, Pablo Lopez, Matthew Boyd, just to name a few. So definitely uh, search for that on Google and take a listen. But yeah, during the season, we have uh, recaps of every single day, go over every single pitcher for the night before and how that should affect your fantasy teams, uh, batter's box as well for hitters, every kind of content you'd want for fantasy business. It is there, but give us a follow at uh, PitcherList on Twitter at PitcherList as well on Instagram. And I look forward to seeing you guys there at PitchCon this weekend. Awesome, Nick. Thank you so much for coming on. really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks again.
2: All right. Nick Pollock with us here on Fantasy Sports today. Uh, PitchCon is this weekend. It is a nice event. I'm honored to be asked to be a part of it. My presentation, if you can call it that, my conversation is probably more uh, along the lines of doing this show and bringing the game of fantasy with a twinge of course of reality of being able to report some of the things that are happening inside the game and having that discussion of course follow at pitcher list uh, for Nick and Alex and all the great people that are over there doing the job that they do covering fantasy baseball and especially from a pitching perspective we'll be back with more fantasy sports today in just a couple of minutes Joe Pizapia will join us back here on the show as we dive more into the topics of the day lots of news to cover NHL is back and Lots of other things happening as well. Don't go away.
1: DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice.
2: Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today, as we have a big race coming up in NASCAR this weekend. We check in with our FST NASCAR guy from Fantasy Alarm, Matt Sells, joins us here on the show. As you can see from the great state of Nebraska, the uh, Cornhusker State. Any uh, interesting uh, corn shopping you're doing there, Matt, in quarantine?
5: Uh, Not just yet. Um, I don't know when the exact harvest season is for corn. Uh, That might sound a little odd. I've lived out here for like eight, nine years, but I, I don't know when it gets harvested (laughs) <laughs> um, but yeah, no, not a whole lot going on out here in, in quarantine just yet. All right. Well, I was gonna say. I
2: mean, listen, it's a, a, not a bad gig to just pick corn all day long. You know? <laughs> corn's very tasty. I'm
5: a big fan of corn. It oh, corn's delicious. Over here in
2: Florida, we don't have any corn down here.
5: <laughs> corn's delicious. I just don't want to shuck it all day.
2: All right. Well, listen, you know, you can't you can't watch NASCAR all day, Matt. You got to do other things with your life too. No offense. <laughs> All right. Uh, so before we go forward, let's go back to the the big race. Uh, was the Coca Cola the last race? Was that the one, or was there a race since then?
5: The Coca Cola Six Hundred was on Sunday. There was, Sunday a race then on, there was a
2: race Wednesday night, right? Yes.
5: Yep. Okay. There was a so race let, on let's Wednesday. Let's
2: go back to those two races. I know that, that uh, you know certainly, the uh, the Coca Cola was a very exciting finish for sure. Uh, but but look, it's it's been uh, NASCAR has been a massive hit. We're obviously bringing you back on this show. Seven million people, four million people, five million people watching this. So people are excited about it. FanDuel put out odds very early in the week for the race coming up.
5: Yeah, they did. They've uh, these. I mean, in fact, DraftKings has had uh, slates out for the next three races already, which doesn't usually happen. Uh, Wednesday night's race capped off four consecutive nights of racing at Charlotte Motor Speedway between the Coke 600 on Sunday, which had probably the dumbest pit pit stop call I've ever seen made uh, the to end a that. race. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Chase Elliott was leading with a lap and a half to go, and his teammate blew a tire, and a caution came out, and they chose to pit because uh, they didn't trust the guy to hold off the lead for another lap and a half. Uh, yeah, didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Then there was a an Xfinity race on Monday night. A truck series race on Tuesday night, which had some charity implications between Chase Elliott and Kyle Busch, right. um, and then Wednesday brought another Cup series race. So we got a whole lot of action going on. And then there's Xfinity on Saturday night and Cup series on Sunday night at, or Sunday afternoon at Bristol. All right. So so which is which is the race that you want to focus on first? So let's uh, talk about. Are we previewing the race? Because we'll talk yeah, about Sunday do, at Bristol. Yeah. let, let let's look ahead. We'll talk about Sunday at Bristol, the cup race. Okay, let's do it. Um, so, yeah, it's it's the first short track race of the season that was actually run in a cup car. They did do Bristol in iRacing, but that doesn't really count. Um, so it's the first short track of the season. Bristol is one of my favorite tracks. Um, it's called The Last Great Coliseum, Thunder Valley. It's a track with about 1,000 different nicknames. Um, and it's really, really high paced racing it's you might not think it would be high paced racing because it's a half mile track doesn't sound like it would be a lot of high speeds well here's the thing the entire track is banked at like you know 20 to 30 degree angles so you can keep speed going the whole time and so it's a whole lot of fast paced action there tends to be a lot of crashes because there's not a whole lot of bailout area going on so uh, it should be a pretty good time here on sunday
2: All right, so Matt, let's take a look at the uh, anticipated potential favorites for the race on Sunday. I know that uh, this has shifted around a little bit. In fact, earlier in the week, Kevin Harvick was not the favorite in the ALSCO 500. It was Chase Elliott and Kyle Busch. Why why was Harvick not the favorite in uh, in the race on Wednesday?
5: Uh, Because Harvick doesn't typically do very well at Charlotte. He does have a couple of wins there in his career, but based on Sunday's Coke 600, shook up with the restart. And so, you know, it's not shocking that he wasn't the favorite. Kyle Busch and Chase Elliott have put on a show this week at Charlotte, so for them to be the favorites made sense. Uh, Heading into Bristol, though, I would assume that the favorite, the odds-on favorite would be Kyle Busch because that guy just straight-up owns Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, He has won several, like, I think it's four of the last seven races run at Bristol. Kyle Busch has won uh, and his brothers won the other t- two of the other three. Uh, the brothers Bush, Kurt Bush and Kyle Bush own Bristol Motor Speedway. Um, I would also expect Denny Hamlin to be a pretty heavy favorite going into Bristol, um, despite him having his crew suspended for four races. Um, but he won there the last time we saw Cup cars on track at Bristol. Denny Hamlin came home the winner. So those two, are, I would assume, would be the prohibitive favorites for Sunday's Food City 500.
2: All right. And so, um, you know, certainly we'll check out that. You can also head on over to uh, Matt's site, Fantasy Alarm, and they give you some really good ideas for potential bets and also uh, DFS action on that race. Um, you know, I-, I think it was really fascinating, if you want to go back uh, earlier in the week, to the uh, to the bounty with Chase Elliott uh, in the truck race against Kyle Busch. Matt, uh, how did this all come about? And I know uh, Chase Elliott barely won.
5: Yeah, so it started earlier this year. Um, for those that don't know, the Cup Series drivers are allowed to go down and do lower division races throughout the year. They're limited to how many they can do. Um, so Kyle Busch tends to do Truck Series races more than Xfinity races because Kyle Busch owns a Truck Series team. His team is Kyle Busch Motorsports. And so what will happen is he'll like have an open seat for a race and he'll want to bring in more sponsorship money. So he promises that he'll run the race because sponsors know that he'll be running closer to the front therefore he can bring in more money and whatnot so kyle bush runs a handful of these races a year and he typically dominates these races like they're they're usually not even close between him and the cup series driver or the the truck series drivers and there's a reason for that these guys are two series away from being you know a cup series driver so it'd be for example it'd be like if you had a guy like max scherzer go down and pitch double-A, and then you're surprised that the guy's throwing six straight no-hitters, right? right? I mean, that's that's the talent-level difference. So Kevin Harvick, another cup driver that we just talked about, put up a bounty earlier this year before the whole shutdown happened that said basically any full-time cup driver that wants to go down to the truck series uh, and run a race against Kyle Busch and beat him, he didn't have to win, he just had to finish higher than Kyle Busch, <laughs> And race him clean, he couldn't wreck Kyle Bush to beat him, would get fifty thousand dollars from Kevin Hart. And then Marcus Lamonis, who is the CEO of Camping World, who sponsors the truck series, um, well, Gander Outdoor does, but Camping World and Gander Outdoor are basically the same thing. Um, basically doubled that and said, I'll throw in fifty thousand too. So the, the wager became a hundred thousand dollars. And then with the times that we're in now, it changed to, okay, you'll still get the $100,000, but it'll be donated to a coronavirus cause of your choice in your name so that it doesn't look like a bunch of people just wagered $100,000 on a sporting event when a bunch of people are out of work and whatever. So that's how that began. Um, and yeah, Chase Elliott barely pulled it off. It was uh, you know pretty tight racing there. Uh, At the end, he beat Kyle Busch, I think, by a total of six-tenths of a second, which isn't really all that much. Um, So, yeah, now Chase Elliott gets to donate $100,000 to uh, coronavirus causes of his choosing. Very cool. Uh, Matt Sells
2: is with us. Matt, so let's talk about after Sunday. Before we let you go, what races are coming up
5: after that? So Sunday, we have the Food City 500 at um, Bristol. And then we go another Week and it's Sunday at I believe Homestead Miami Speedway is yep. the next one. And then we have a midweek race on Wednesday. This gets into basically the middle of June. June 10th um, would be Martinsville. And then we've got Atlanta. I'm sorry, Atlanta is June 7th. And we got Martinsville in there. And then we go to Talladega for the 21st of June. Uh, so there's, there's about another five races coming up in about three weeks in June. So it's going to be a pretty packed schedule. And then after that, they haven't really announced yet, but the rumor is that they'll be heading to Pocono for a doubleheader weekend on the 27th and 28th of June. Very so cool. So, two cup yeah. races, back-to-back days.
2: Yeah, I'll uh, I'll look forward to seeing that. And, um, and would you say that, that thus far... Even with no fans there, Matt, it's being embraced, I know, from a television perspective. But do you think that it's been more or less for you and your content and doing DFS and looking at it just strictly about racing at this point? Does it really come down to that?
5: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's some there's some changes. Obviously, there haven't been any practices and there's only been one qualifying session for the four races that have already been run. So that changes strategy wise a little bit because it's kind of like luck of the draw and you don't see the cars on the track before they actually race Races what they've looked like on track and what they do, uh, you know, at the tracks that they're racing at historically. So it hasn't changed all that much. Um, but DFS wise DraftKings has gotten wise to the fact that it's the only sport that's happening right now. And they've changed how they value drivers. So that has changed uh, the strategy behind DFS builds for uh, DraftKings. FanDuel, on the other hand, hasn't changed anything. All right, so good. So that's
2: uh, that's something to keep an eye on for those of you who are on DraftKings versus FanDuel for sure. You can catch Matt Sells and all his great work, of course, over at Fantasy Alarm and FantasyAlarm.com. And I know, Matt, before you go... Uh, I mean, we're all kind of waiting here on the baseball season. I know that you're a big baseball fan as well. It's, it's got to be frustrating kind of seeing this back and forth a little
5: bit. I know we just want to have baseball back. It is frustrating. Um, I'm kind of siding with the players. They had an agreement back in April with the owners uh, for prorated pay, and then the owners came back and said, well, no, I don't think that's really going to work, and <laughs> they're trying to take some more money out of guys' pockets. Um, and, yeah, I just don't think that's really fair. If you came to an agreement, you all knew what the stakes were when you came to the agreement. You should honor the agreement. Otherwise, like, you know, why, why should players trust the owners going forward if they're just going to go back on agreements they make?
2: Yeah, it's it's tough. Um, look, there's there's two sides to it for sure, and we're hearing both sides, no doubt about that. All right, thanks, Matt, for coming on the show. That's Matt Sells right there from Fantasy Alarm covering NASCAR for us right here on Fantasy Sports Today on SportsGrid. Uh, we will be back, Joe, and I'll be back on tomorrow's edition of the show. Again, 11 a.m. Uh, Eastern time. And we'll get ready to wrap up the week in fantasy sports and reality as well. So make sure you stay tuned and tune in then. Also, don't forget, please like and subscribe to our show. For those of you who are watching over on our YouTube channel, turn your notifications to on every single day. And... You know, take out your iPad, take out your phone, watch all of our previous segments, everything that we're talking about. We are here for you during this time, especially for those of you who are forced in a situation to stay home. For Matt Sells and Nick Pollock and my co-host Joe Pia, I'm Craig Mish. We'll talk to you again tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern, right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Have a great day, everybody. See ya.